0: In Japan, the hand can be used like a knife. But this method doesn't work with a tomato. That's why we use the ginsu. It's a knife that no kitchen should be without. The ginsu can cut a slice of bread so thin you can almost see through it. It cuts meat better than an electric knife and goes through frozen food as though it were melted butter. The Ginsu is so sharp it can cut through a tin can and still slice a tomato like this. It can chop wood and still remain razor sharp. What's more, it's a knife that will last forever. How much would you pay for a knife like this? Before you answer, listen. It even comes with a matching fork to make carving a pleasure. Wait, there's much, much more. We also want you to have this six-in-one kitchen tool. It peels and slivers carrots, peels potatoes, and slices paper-thin potato chips. This amazing little knife even grates carrots, grates cheese, and makes beautiful decorative vegetables. How much would you pay for all these items? Well, we'll even give you the set of six precision steak knives. The handles even match the Ginsu. And to make the offer completely irresistible, you'll get this unique spiral slicer down and down around and around and you'll have a beautiful garnish for your dinner table now how much would you pay you get the ginsu knife the matching carving fork the versatile six-in-one kitchen tool a set of six steak knives and the spiral slicer you get them all guaranteed in writing for 50 years for only 9.95 it's the most incredible knife offer ever here's how to order Call toll-free 1-800-835-2246 or save COD charges by sending 995 to Gensu, Box 6688, Chicago. You get the Gensu knife, matching carving fork, 6-in-1 kitchen tools, 6 steak knives, and spiral slicer. This is the original Gensu, the only knife offer with a 50-year guarantee. Don't accept imitations. Order now. <laughs>
1: We have memory. This is any better. We have sound. We have two mics. Water. Okay. And we have Jackie Chan. And we have police siren in the background. (laughs) And we're hunkered down here in the dojo.
2: Do you want to test it to make sure it's going?
1: Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, I think it's good. All right. Ah, welcome, episode three. Yeah. Pomp action <laughs> podcast. That's right. Your source of 80s action cinema, 90s. And beyond. And beyond. <laughs> beyond the stars, yes. Uh, hey, today we're talking about uh, one of my favorite action stars of all time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I agree. Jackie Chan and his seminal reintroduction to American cinema. Uh, what year did this come out? Do you remember?
2: Internationally, it came out in 95. It came out in the States in 96.
1: 96, yeah. I remember... Uh, oh, we were talking about Rumble in the Bronx, I should That's say right. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, I was in college. I was at OU when Rumble in the Bronx hit. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if I hadn't met you yet. Probably not. Um, but we were on the cusp of uh, our paths crossing. All right. right? Um, when did you see this film first? I saw it in the theater. Same. Yeah, I lived in um, Apple Creek Apartments, Apple Tree Apartments off Robinson, and they used to have that little movie theater right there. Um, uh, Well, it was a video store, I take that back, it was a video store on the corner, and then the movie theater was down, I'm trying to think of where it was at, by, okay, not Pinocchio, but it was by Pinocchio's, but then you went further, like... Um, no, there was a movie theater there I take that back, there was a video store And there was a movie theater there For a, for a short bit And I used to ride my bike to that, that movie theater And that's where I first saw it Was at that movie theater behind Pizza Shuttle and all that Is it still a theater? Have you been back to Norman in a while? I don't know what's there now I, Yeah, I don't either It used to be a movie theater It was a dollar theater for a while But yeah. that's where I first saw it um, yeah. Was, was, yeah, in the theater and, um, But yeah uh, so th- I've, I've, This one goes way back for me and I'm glad you got to see this in the theater as well. So, um, but yeah, love this movie.
2: Yeah. The early nineties is when I kind of got into Kung Fu movies Yeah, and Hong Kong action cinema. And I had a a few of the Jackie Chan VHS yes. box sets yes. of, his, of his old stuff, like yes. Fearless Hyena and yes. Half a Loaf of Kung Fu. <laughs>
1: Spiritual Kung Fu, <laughs> Fantasy Mission Force. Yeah
2: and i had a few of those already so i knew you know and i had read i think i had a book Uh it was either kung fu movies or hong kong action cinema Uh and there was of course a bunch of jackie chan movies in there so i knew all about him and had seen some of a bunch of his older movies yeah and then when this came out it was this big push into the u.s and so yeah i went with my dad to see it in the theater that is awesome (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I first heard of Jackie Chan actually quite by accident. Um, I have no idea what I was recording or, or what, but I accidentally set the VCR to record something. And what I ended up taping was a show called The Incredibly Strange Film Show um, that was broadcast in England. Do you know what that, what that is? No. Okay, Yeah, I don't really know uh, too much about it either, other than there's only like six episodes, which is like typically British, but they did one, I think like on John waters and they did one on, um, like maybe Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, but one of them they did was on like Jackie Chan and I had never heard of Jackie Chan before that. And I watched this documentary on the man himself. And it was probably made around the time of like, Oh my gosh, it had to have been police story two, maybe police story three, super cops somewhere around that time. So, which I'm not really sure. 90s, 80s maybe like late 80s early 90s and just like holy cow like this that was like my first like introduction to like Hong Kong action cinema. Uh, I had never seen anything like that before other than just Shaw Brother films, Bruce Lee films but this new genre or this new movement I guess that began um, I was completely unaware of it. And same with you. Like, I immediately, after watching that documentary, I immediately began trying to search out Jackie Chan films. And I remember coming across that box set, (laughs) and I begged my parents, please buy this for me for Christmas. And I remember watching it, and I don't know about you, but I was very disappointed (laughs) because it was not at all, like, what I thought it was going to be. Um, It was not any of the stunts. It was not any of the crazy, uh, other than like maybe Fearless Hyena, I think was a part of that set. And um, was it Snake Meets the Crane or something like that? Like, those are the only two that stuck out of my brain mm-hmm. as far as like, when you think of Jackie Chan movies, those were, the Jackie Chan movies were mixed a little bit of comedy, some incredible acrobatic maneuvers, the intense training Montages right. that were always just like balls out crazy. Um, just, I mean, that was the two Jackie Chan films. Well, at least it got those two. It was like 10 films or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that was my introduction to Jackie Chan. Um, growing up in the video store. I don't want to take over the, the podcast though. I did happen to see the brawl at Battle Creek, which was like his first mm-hmm. introduction. And again, it was not, it was, it's not a very good movie so when rumble in the bronx hit um i knew like okay this because seeing the trailers for it and everything like this is what i've been waiting for this this is the one that i you know this is the jackie chan movie i was waiting for so um rumble in the bronx was a a long time coming for me so that's uh that's my introduction to
2: jackie chan (laughs) yeah even even that was rumble in the bronx like by the mid 90s he was already getting a little past his prime yeah like he was probably at his peak in the 80s right yeah so when we finally got him he was already kind of a little bit past his prime
1: which is crazy because he's still like insanely good at what he does right at that time but you're right like that was physically
2: physically anyway and stunt wise
1: Right, right, right. That was like I guess um, was it Drunken Master Two was sort of like his farewell, sort of last film for Hong Kong for a while, and then he came over to America to make to make movies. Is that kind of the story that that goes? I mean, you you have the notes, so you want to go ahead and sure. regale us?
2: I yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Jackie Chan. Um, I kind of really only went up to Rumble in the Bronx, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but. Yeah, he was born April 7th, 1954, as uh, Chan Kong Sang in British Hong Kong. Um, If we're allowed to say that, I don't know if the Chinese censors are going to (laughs) come after us. Sorry. What what was supposedly British Hong Kong at the time? (laughs) Don't (laughs) cancel this. We're not even getting started yet. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. So in 1960... His family sent him to the China Drama Academy, which was a Peking opera school, and he trained religiously for the next decade, excelling in martial arts and acrobatics. He became part of the Seven Little Fortunes, which was a performance group made up of the school's best students.
1: Have you, I didn't mean to, but just to stop you right there. Have you read his book? Cause he has two books. Yeah. I've read them both. I read the um, one he did in the nineties. Yes. Um, where he talks about the intense training yeah. and like, yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if you're unaware, Peking opera was like the precursor to, um, motion picture, uh, in, in, in Hong Kong and, uh, or theater work or it's kind of like vaudeville, I guess maybe for American audiences. But anyway, it featured singing and dancing and acrobatics and all these different kinds of things. Um, and the, they mostly were children, um, and they yeah. suffered, like, like torture. I mean, he's talking about, like, um, they would get the bottoms of their feet spanked. Uh, they would, like, to have to do handstands for, like, hours on end and hold perfect form. Mm-hmm. And if they failed, like, they would get smacked and beat and um, almost tortured. Um, there's also a movie called Farewell, My Concubine. Have you ever seen that film? No. Um, the first ha- – it's sort of like um, – uh, full Metal Jacket Where like the first half is fantastic And then the second half is like mm. <laughs> <laughs> But the Farewell, Farewell My Concubine Kind of it's the first part Is like these kids going through The Pink Opera School And the, the last half is mm. um, <laughs> Last half they go to Vietnam and <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sing uh, the Mickey Mouse theme song As they're murdering <laughs> But anyway um, But no uh, But those scenes are really intense, and it gives you a real um, accurate like um, depiction of probably what um, he went through. Um, other people that came out of that was Sam Ohung, mm-hmm. was one of his big brothers, and then um, Yen bio or Bai yeah. um, I these are words like <laughs> I I've seen them in print. I don't know if I've ever heard them, right. you know, spoken. So I'm just going off my Oklahoma pronunciation, but anyway, but go ahead. I didn't know if you'd seen that movie or read those books about the Peking Opera.
2: Yeah, so it was at the opera school where he became friends with Samo Hung and Yuan Biao, and the three of them later became known as the Three Brothers of the Three Dragons. In uh, 1976, Jackie Chan went to join his parents in Canberra, Australia, where he briefly attended college and worked as a construction worker. A fellow builder named Jack took Chan under his wing and he got the nickname Little Jack, which became Jackie. <laughs> so that's how he got that name. And then in the late 90s, he changed his Chinese name to Fang Shilong, uh, Which I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Uh, So he began his film career going back a few years in uh, small roles from the age of five. At the age of eight, he appeared in a film called Big and Little Wong Tin Bar in 1962. He had a few more small roles throughout the 60s, uh, but his kind of big-ish break was in 1972. He appeared in the Bruce Lee film Fist of Fury as an extra and a stunt double. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, He later The next year Appeared in Enter the Dragon As a henchman And another stuntman uh, Samo Hung Helped Jackie Chan Get roles In those movies
1: There's also a rumor too I don't need to cut you off again But um, I'm a huge Bruce Lee Mark And a huge Jackie Chan Nerd <laughs> I've always heard rumors too that um, when he was in fist of Fury the scene that he was in Bruce accidentally broke his nose like he landed a punch and then he was so like apologetic that he promised him a spot in every movie. <laughs> I don't know how much truth there is to yeah. that because you know you can't believe everything you read on the internet or in print but um, that was always been the rumor that you know that Bruce Lee accidentally broke his nose huh. uh, during his fight scene and yeah. promised him. A movie role or a spot in, in, in all of his films.
2: And then the mafia killed him. Bruce yeah, Lee. Bruce Lee. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or whatever the conspiracy is.
1: Um, Curse of the Dragon. Yeah.
2: It was also in the 70s that Jackie Chan did some work, started working with uh, John Woo. Yes. In a few John Woo movies. Um, in 1976, Jackie Chan... Got a telegram from a Willie Chan, no relation, who was a film producer in the Hong Kong film industry who was impressed with Jackie Chan's stunt choreography work and uh, hired him to do a Bruce Lee knockoff film called New Fist of Fury.
1: Yes, which I had. That was in the box set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: Apparently did not do well at the box office. Um, So his first big kung fu movie breakthrough was the 1978 film snake in the eagle shadow
1: that's the one i think i was talking about yeah
2: and uh the director yuen wu ping gave jackie chan complete creative freedom over his his character and his stunt work and that's kind of the movie that started the comedic kung fu genre
1: yeah if those are um you know if you go back and you want to look at any of the old jackie chan like shaw brother well he I mean, didn't work for shaw brothers but like those those style of films like yeah was it snake in the eagles shadow is that what it's called yeah uh that's a good one the fearless hyena is freaking amazing the original drunken master is really really good that and was then,
2: uh later that same year yeah and uh, then I think
1: and young Man. masters pretty good other than that like they're pretty forgettable mm-hmm. um some of them like i have like fantasy mission force and half a yeah. loaf. I'm like, what? <laughs> they, they're like with in Nazi Germany, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I have no clue. But anyway, uh, go ahead. Uh,
2: yeah. So uh, 78 was also a Drunken Master, and that's kind of where he blew up. His directorial debut was Fearless Hyena, and you know after this he did Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, Spiritual Kung Fu, Fearless Hyena Two. Um. At, at one point, he broke the contract he was under and joined Golden Harvest Studios. And I'm not quite sure if I didn't look too much into this, but uh, because of this contract dispute, uh, the triads got involved Ooh. briefly somehow. Uh, but another actor and director kind of stepped in and figured things out, and Chan stayed with Golden Harvest.
1: Probably that... Pesky Jimmy Wang Woo. <laughs> I think he had his thumb in the old mafia pie. Yeah.
2: So in 1980s, when he first tried to uh, break into Hollywood with the Big Brawl, was that Battle Creek Brawl? Is that yeah, the it's, it's,
1: it's been a couple of different, I think they released it, a couple of yeah. the Big Brawl or ba- the bar, Brawl at Battle Creek or something yeah. like that. So that was yeah. a, uh,
2: 1981. He had a minor role in Cannonball Run, Yes. which was a, a huge hit worldwide at the time, but didn't really do anything for Chan. Um, But in Cannonball Run was, I guess, in the credits, they show outtakes from the movie. Yeah. And that's what kind of inspired Jackie Chan to do the same for all of his movies. Um, He tried again to break into the U.S. market with The Protector in 1985. I've
1: never seen, that's one I've never seen.
2: I think I started watching it and it was kind of stupid.
1: I have the soundtrack on vinyl, but (laughs) I've never seen the film.
2: But it was just like a cop movie with Danny Aiello and it kind of Uh, bombed. Bombed at the box office, so he went back to Hong Kong. But while all that was going on, he throughout the eighties and early nineties, he was making Hong Kong or movies in Hong Kong, which were huge hits. Uh, Young Master, Dragon Lord, Project A One and Two, yeah. Wheels on Meals, The Lucky Stars Trilogy, Police Story One, Two, Three and Four, Armor of God One and Two, yes. Drunken Master Two. Yes, and those were just his hits. He did other right, ones on right, top of that. Right. Um, so these were hugely successful throughout Asia and Europe throughout the eighties and early nineties, uh, by the mid nineties, he was the most popular action movie star in Asia and Europe. And up to January, 1995, his movies had grossed over $70 million in Hong Kong and 415 million in Japan. And I think that's a $95. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And sold millions more in Europe. Uh, by this time, his early films, his early kung fu movies, had started being released in the U.S., which is where you know we got yeah got involved. Uh, at one point, he was offered the role of the villain in Demolition Man, mm-hmm. and he declined it. And Wesley Snipes took the role, and he declined it because he didn't want to be typecast as a villain. Yeah. And this is kind of where we, it brings us to Rumble in the Bronx in 1995. Um, uh, so briefly his career after Rumble in the Bronx, which we'll get back to, uh, super cop came out that same year in the U S mm-hmm. it was actually, it came out in 92, uh, but in the U S came out in 96 mm-hmm. and super cop is police story three. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later in 1998 rush hour came out, which grossed, uh, $236 million in 2022
1: $20, dollars yeah that was basically and, his crossover film yeah
2: that was where he really got big in the U.S. yeah and it uh, spawned two sequels um, but since 1984 he's, he's also a singer yes. uh, he's released 20 albums and performed in Cantonese, Mandarin Taiwanese, Japanese and English and he's done uh, songs for soundtracks of many of his own movies uh, he's won an honorary academy award a daytime emmy award a whole bunch of hong kong film awards which is their equivalent of the oscars mm-hmm. and countless other awards and accolades and he's a member of the order of the british empire whoa um so i kind of glossed over the last 25 years or so of his career but we're not talking about that right now yeah so yeah Rumble in the bronx um Why don't you, uh, since you just watched it yesterday, why don't you kind of give us a brief synopsis? synopsis.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it's been a long time since I've seen this film. Probably since it originally came out on DVD, because the copy that I watched is like the old snapback, mm-hmm. the, the you know DVD. In fact, it didn't even fit on my my screen, <laughs> my new TV screen. It's like the tiny box yeah. inside the TV. Um, but yeah, so that, that's how I watched it. Um, it kind of tells the story. Now there's two versions. I, I kind of did a little yeah. bit of research on my own. There's one called Rumble in Hong Kong. Um, but this version that came out was was pretty heavily edited. I believe the Hong Kong version is like a hundred and like eight minutes or 112 minutes and then the US version is only like 90 minutes. Yeah. But what happens is is that he's coming over from um, Hong Kong to help oversee, I guess, like this transition of power um, over his uncle's grocery store. Um, and he, he's kind of coming in, and his uncle's getting married, and he's going to go off on his honeymoon, and the whole time that he's trying to sell the grocery store, and Jackie Chan's kind of there just to sort of like oversee the operation, the, the sale, and then kind of help the lady kind of get on her feet um he's sort of it's like a fish out of water story kind of because he's never been to uh outside of hong kong he says and um, of course he meets all these mad max type villains which i <laughs> was hilarious yeah. driving go-karts with led lights and dirt bikes and uh they're wearing like post-apocalyptic warriors type costumes and it's just insanity but they, um,
2: they look like a bunch of theater kids. Yeah, like they're they, totally non-threatening looking yeah.
1: gangsters. And the, the, the diversity is pretty staggering, too, uh, of, of the gangs there, um, which is really cool. I think that's something that Jackie Chan has always kind of strived for, um, is, is diversity in his films. Um, but uh, after he comes across the ruffians, um, the Mafia? The Russians get involved? Like, I don't really know. The preposterousness of this one kind of gang member named, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? He's the blonde guy. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, I just watched it yesterday. Let me look it up. Um, it's like Giovanni or something like that. I'm sure everybody that's listening right now. Angelo. Uh, I knew it was very Italian. Angelo <laughs> um, accidentally um, stumbles across like this, diamond sale gone wrong and he, he steals the diamonds and uh, hides them in the um, invalid child's wheelchair cushion <laughs> yeah. um, and then that's how Jackie Chan kind of gets involved because he's neighbors with his uncle is neighbors with the invalid child in the wheelchair and they come looking for him and and then it's just this whole he gets involved with the police and white tiger and like <laughs> it goes off the rails pretty fast um but from beginning to end i watched it and my face was just hurting at the end of it because i was smiling the whole time because it still holds up it's corny as hell it's awesome though the the, the sequences the fight sequences are perfectly paced um the acting is over the top it's just it's so much fun to watch this film and actually I want to watch it again <laughs> as soon as I get home because there's so much that I'm missing yeah. um but yeah one thing that I do know is you know um you know the first thing you're going to notice is that everything's dubbed and that's just the Hong Kong way of doing it and that's basically the European way of, of making movies is all the sound um, and dialogue is post is, is Is done in post. Um, Everybody speaks their own languages, whether you're German, whether you're speaking Cantonese, whether you're speaking Mandarin, whether you're speaking Chinese, whatever it is. um, They just speak their own languages, and then they go back and dub it in later for whatever market they're trying to sell it to. Um, So that's one of the very first things that you're going to notice is that all the dialogue is dubbed. And then the second thing you're going to notice is how bad the acting is in this <laughs> film outside of uh, Bill Tongue, who plays Uncle Bill. And yeah. Bill Tung is yeah. one of those guys that's been in, like, every Jackie Chan. He was in, like, all of the mm. Super Cops or Police Story trilogy. And he's, he plays Uncle Bill, like, in every film. But um, – and then Anita Mui. Anita Mui. Yeah. yeah, Anita Mui. Um, she's also – but she's really good in this, and she was an actress, too, that kind of has some chops as well. But outside of that, um, he basically doesn't really employ actors. He employs stunt people and it teaches them how to act because he thinks it's easier to teach a stunt person how to act than an actor how to do stunts. And so um, he recruited a lot of, uh, this was shot in Vancouver, I believe. And so these are all like um, uh, Canadian stunt men and stunt people um, that kind of went on to still work in the stunt field, except for the guy that played um, Tony, Uh, unfortunately, three years after this film, the main bad guy, Uh um, I don't know if you knew it or not, um, again, Curse of the Dragon, he was filming um, one of the sequels for The Crow, and he was, and this was three years after Rumble in the Bronx um, was was completed, so he's filming, he's on set filming this, he's not even in the scene, he's just watching, and he's watching um, this explosion, and a piece of debris hit him in the head and killed him.
2: Whoa. So, yeah,
1: three years later, uh, the guy dies um, on the set of a Crow film, which is, again, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. It's weird, man, how that worked. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, this movie is is a total blast <laughs> from beginning to end.
2: Yeah. Um, so, speaking of Anita Mui, Mui? I don't know. Yeah. Um, she plays the woman who buys the grocery store from uncle bill so she's one of the other main characters in the film um anita mui yim fong was born in hong kong october 10th 1963 she was mainly known as a singer Mm -hmm. uh she was called the madonna of the east yes (laughs) Uh, uh she was a huge star all over asia starred in over 40 films It was Rumble in the Bronx where she got international acclaim and she released dozens of albums with many number one hits throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. But she died from cancer at the age of 40 in 2003.
1: Ah, man. RIP. I Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sad story.
2: Um, The other uh, actress who has top billing in this film for some reason... Uh, she's kind of a supporting character, uh, Francois Yip. Yes. The uh, kind of sexy girlfriend of one she, of the gang members.
1: Yeah, she's pretty easy on the eyes. <laughs>
2: um, but uh, she was born Francois fong Wah Yip, September 4th, 1972 in Canada. She's half Chinese-Canadian and half French-Canadian. Her first film role was a... I think this was a yeah, Samo Hong film mm-hmm. uh, called Ghost Punting in 1992. She just played a police woman. Uh, in 1995, she was in a TV movie in another small role. And Rumble in the Bronx was kind of her first big movie ever. Like, first, the yeah. third movie she ever starred in. And it kind of put her in the international spotlight, too. She went on to appear in a number of movies throughout the 90s, and up through the present day, she's still working. She did a lot of TV and TV movies, did a few Jet Li movies, and she was in a few of the uh, Predator movies, the later yes. ones. Yes! That's awesome. Uh, so she's still working. And uh, Bill tongue
1: Yeah, hey, I have a real quick Francois Yip story, though. Um, <laughs> and again, I don't know why I know this. Just I just know <laughs> this. Is that... Um, she had heard that they were, they were casting for this movie. And so I guess, um, her agent or whatever talked her into like, Hey, will not you submit? And they called her back and said, do you know, we well, we're looking for somebody that, um, knows how to ride a motorcycle that can sing and dance. Um, and she's like, I can do all three of those things, which in <laughs> fact, she didn't. Um, so the very first time that she had ever ridden a motorcycle, they literally make her ride across the tops of the cars. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, in the outtakes, she crashes the bike and breaks her leg. (laughs) So like, (laughs) if you got to know what you're getting into when you, when you sign on for a Jackie Chan movie. (laughs)
2: Uh, so Bill Tong, uh, was born Bill Tong Bu in Hong Kong, March 30th, 1933. Legend. Yeah. He, uh, Starting from childhood, he underwent jockey training and became a professional horse jockey and competed all over Asia and Europe and then became a horse trainer. He was in his 30s and he was recruited to be a commentator for horse races on TV and radio. And he was so good at it, he caught the notice of the film industry and he started acting in 1977. Over the next 20 years... He appeared in dozens of films, including many Jackie Chan movies, which you mentioned. Yeah. Rumble in the Bronx was his second to last film. Uh, his last film was Police Story 4 in 1996, and he retired from acting. He continued training horses and comment- commentating on horse races, and he retired. Good in 2005 and died the next year in 2006.
1: Oh, dang. I, I mean, I knew he passed away, but I didn't know it was like so short after after this one. That's yeah. crazy.
2: Jackie Chan was one of his pallbearers.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
2: So this movie was directed by Stanley Tong, uh-huh. who was born in Hong Kong April 7th, 1960. His brother-in-law worked in the film industry and got him into the industry. He, uh, Stanley Tong started working on films in 1979. His first film that he directed was in 1991 called The Stone Age Warriors. It was good enough to get the attention of Golden Harvest who uh, offered him to come work for them. His first Jackie Chan collaboration was Police Story 3 in 1992, which we know as Mm Supercop, which in the US came out after Rumble in the Bronx. Um, That was a huge hit all over the world. He also worked on Police Story 4 and Rumble in the Bronx. Uh, after Rumble in the Bronx, he worked on a few more American movies, such as Mr. Magoo <laughs> with Leslie <laughs> Nielsen, which was a huge flop. Um, he worked on the TV series Martial Law with Samo Hung, which kind of did well, I guess, mm-hmm. but didn't last very long. And he's still working today and directing and producing and all that yeah so Rumble in the Bronx we talked about was filmed in Vancouver yes but it's supposed to be New York yeah and uh, they at first they were really trying to not make it look like Vancouver <laughs> and uh, after a while Jackie Chan was like just forget about it let's just make a movie <laughs> so that's why you know you can see a bunch of shots with like mountains in the background yeah. and stuff
1: you mean there's no mountains in uh, in the Bronx <laughs> or in New York City yeah.
2: and there's like a a helicopter with just says Canadian stuff on the side. <laughs> Jackie Chan's like he cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Also, like you mentioned, the uh, dialogue, um, the actors were just speaking their own language. Um, I think uh, Francois Yip was speaking English, and I think Jackie Chan was speaking English. Yeah. A couple of the other actors were speaking Cantonese, and they just dubbed over everything depending on where they released it in the world yeah uh yeah there's a ton of different cuts and edits of this movie depending on what country you live in and
1: have you ever seen rumbling i think it was called rumbling hong kong um i've never seen it I've, I've
2: i've only seen the american yeah that's the only one dish. i've ever
1: seen too i know that there's like a whole he's a police officer
2: yeah there's Sub-plot. like there's whole subplots <laughs> they cut out and yeah they change dialogue depending on the
1: right 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 so i do know that um i remember seeing and seeing it like at vintage stock or something but it's in one of those really slim dvd cases that you know is just like probably somebody um seinfelding the uh off the screen video and off the screen (laughs) be my guess i'm sure the quality was not great but anyway
2: uh so yeah and then as we all know from watching the outtakes he broke his foot jumping onto the hovercraft and they had he spent uh, a lot of the shoot wearing a cast with a (laughs) fake shoe on it (laughs) like a sock just kind of painted to look like a shoe (laughs) yeah um yeah uh, let's see a bunch of people got hurt as usual in a Jackie Chan film broken limbs ankles and uh so the budget uh at the time it had a 13 million dollar budget which in today's money is a little over twenty four million.
1: Were there any um, memorable scenes that, for you, when you watch this, just like that stick out in your mind?
2: Um, the just the big fight scene when he goes to the gang hideout. Yeah, and he's like jumping through the shopping carts. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's like pinball machines and the refrigerator. Yes,
1: yeah. I've always heard stories where like. Um, so the set design comes in and they set the they design the set basically and then that's when Jackie Chan comes in and is like looks around at the set design and goes how can I make a fight scene out of this happen so it's like there's a ski like I'm going to grab the ski I'm going to like you know use the ski or there's a shopping cart like how can I use the shopping cart so I, to me like that's such a creative brain to where he can see those things and how to use those things and how to weaponize those things right. just common everyday objects and so like pool balls i mean pool sticks are pretty obvious you know um even the ski but like who would think of like how to manipulate a shopping cart like to get through it and to use a shopping cart mm-hmm. or to use the refrigerator door which i think was hilarious in that scene mm-hmm. where he's like punching the guy and he goes back into the fridge he like slams the fridge door and then the <laughs> guy comes you know then you like fights somebody over here and then the guy comes out of the fridge and he like punches him back into the right. fridge so it's just like little things like that um that he was is able to to pull off and it looks it's so convincing like you it's so fluid like the fight sequences are just insane um that but that one is is particularly really good
2: yeah i do have a a funny story about that one scene where he's in the uh danny is the kid in the wheelchair yeah he's in the apartment you're number one (laughs) And I, I can't remember what happens, but they come looking for the diamonds uh-huh. and he's got the kid's crutch on the ground oh, yeah. and he like kicks it up into his hand. <laughs> so like I, I, I uh, paused it and I like went frame by frame and I like sketched out the the movement he was doing. Yeah. And I like got, I don't know what I had, some stick or something. And I like practiced doing that move <laughs> and I eventually got it. Few, I was able to do it a few times, but uh-huh. I, I did that. There was some other Jackie Chan movie, like Fearless Hyena or something. Yeah. He did some cool move, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta learn how to do that. <laughs> so I would pause the VHS and go frame by frame and like sketch, sketch out, it out how all, like it. what he was doing. <laughs> um,
1: the other memorable scene for me, um, which I think was one that almost kind of pissed off a lot of the Hong Kong audience, was his um, use of the wooden dummy. hmm Um, wing chung dummy that was one of the things that like people had always wanted to see him do and he refused to do it and in a lot of movies the hong kong movies he would tease it like he would be over there and he he did like like
2: that (laughs) yeah just
1: just like one or he would like (laughs) square up on it and then like flip his jacket like hang his jacket on it or something (laughs) like that you know and it would just really tease the audience and then so they're like why does the american audience get that because they wouldn't appreciate that but the speed, mm-hmm. and I that was one of the scenes I watched when I watched it yesterday. I, I rewound it like three or four times. This is like it is unbelievable how fast his movements are, his punches are, yeah. it, and just I mean, again, it's just um years and years and years of practice, and that's one of the things that you know in today's world that we live in, you're never gonna see people fight like that ever again. Like he, he, and like Sam Hung and and, and Yin Yin Biao, they're they're a dying breed because people don't train like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not subjected to hours and hours and hours of torturous, you know, stretching and flipping and acrobats and you know martial arts. Like they just you just don't do that anymore. So guys like this um, are a dying breed, and it's just amazing that. And we're fortunate to get to see that how they transitioned and, and showcased all of that, because mm-hmm. my God, man, it's mind blowing. Like, you watch these movies, and you miss so much because it it's happens so fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what? And like you said, like you almost have to go like frame by frame to yeah. figure out like how he did something how is
2: that physically happening.
1: Yeah, and another one of the stunts that's almost like a throwaway stunt is where he's like on the parking garage. And he's like hiding in that giant truck that has all of the balls in it. You know, mm-hmm. like at Walmart, like the bouncy, the big oh, yeah, rubber yeah. balls or whatever. Yeah. It's like a throwaway stunt because you don't even really get to see him do it. But like they, the baddies like roll that truck off the top of the parking garage. And Jackie Chan runs from the bed of the truck up over the cab down the hood and jumps off as the thing is like. Mm -hmm. falling off but like it's happened so fast like you don't even get to appreciate it you're just like (laughs) did he really just do that like he did and you don't even see it but yeah so those are just some things that stick out in my brain you know
2: so Rumble in the bronx came out in 95 in hong kong it was a huge hit immediately it broke the box office record in hong kong uh all these dollar figures i'm just gonna mention them in 2022 dollars Um, It made 14 million dollars. It was the highest grossing film in Hong Kong up to that point. In China, within 10 days of release, it grossed 29 million dollars. It set a record in several Chinese cities. Uh, It was the highest grossing imported film in China up to that point, grossing over 31 million dollars. It was the 8th highest grossing film in Taiwan that year. Uh, In Japan, it made 13 million. In South Korea, it was the highest-grossing film of the year. And this was Jackie Chan's mainstream breakthrough in North America. And like I mentioned, it was already kind of on his yeah down slide of his physical peak. Uh, It premiered in North America at the Sundance Film Festival in January '96 it got wide release in february of 96 which is probably around when we saw it Mm -hmm. it opened on over 1700 screens it was number one at the box office opening weekend grossing over 18 million dollars it was one of the year's top 20 highest grossing r-rated films which i didn't remember remember it being (laughs) r-rated yeah it's not really yeah it
1: is though there is some like language um that's just kind of unnecessary like it's it's delivered very awkwardly that you could have easily taken that out um there is that scene though that's pretty pretty horrific where they're like corner him in the alley and they like start like hitting him with the 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 baseball bat Mm -hmm. and then they're like well they're not hitting him they're like hitting all these bottles and these bottles are like smashing into his head and then like he's like um all bloodied up Um, That was a thing that I had read somewhere years back where he was worried about that scene um, and how that would be perceived to like Hong Kong audiences because they weren't used to having that much blood Mm -hmm. in their films um, and especially seeing him like that beat up and that bloody. Um, but anyway, so that was a concern for him that he was like, I wish he would have taken that out, you know, or, or toned that down. Cause it is pretty horrific and it goes on a long time. <laughs> like it's like a solid three minutes of him being pelted with broken bottles. And then he like shows back up in the apartment, like gasping at um, Francois. Yip, and You know, anyway, so
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, it finished its North American run with $61 million. Made millions of dollars in UK, France, and Germany. It was the 51st highest grossing film in the US for 1996, beating out films such as From Dust Till Dawn, Escape from LA, Fargo, Sling Blade, The Craft, and The People vs. Larry Flint, among Many others. There's some
1: Oscar contenders. Yeah, Sling Blade one didn't it? Yeah, or at least no, I, what's his name did? People of Larry Flint, People versus yeah. Larry Flint. I think uh, Liddy Harrelson was for like an Oscar for Best Actor.
2: Yeah. So, uh. Uh, the top three films that year, by the way, were uh, Independence Day, Twister, and Mission Impossible. <laughs> so he had some pretty stiff competition. <laughs> it was the twelfth highest-grossing film the month of its release, and the sixteenth highest-grossing film that quarter. So, hugely popular film. Hey, while I'm thinking uh, about it, yeah. we
1: need to do a um, extreme weather film, <laughs> <laughs> like Twister. <and>
2: like <laughs> um, Super Cop, which was also known as Police Story Three, was released in the U S. in '96. That same year, and it was also a top hundred film for the U S. top hundred grossing. Yeah. So. He did pretty well in the U.S. that year. And did this
1: film also kind of like break open the door as far as like Hong Kong cinema? Because it wasn't too long after this that you started seeing like um, a Crouching Tiger, a Hidden Dragon, and yeah. um, House of the Flying Daggers. And then all of a sudden, Chow Yun Fat starts showing up, and Jet Li starts showing up, and uh, so this one was really kind of like a, like I said, like a door kicker in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was
2: Jackie Chan's biggest hit up to then. With a worldwide box office gross of over $145 million on a $25 million budget. And I found this one thing that supposedly it was the most profitable film in the world that year. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It received generally positive reviews. Um, overall, some of the acting was criticized. <laughs> Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a positive review giving it 3 out of 4 stars won a ton of awards and nominations for the Hong Kong Film Awards which is equivalent to the Oscars Uh, here's something that I thought was kind of funny for some reason it ran on BBC Mm -hmm. for like 4 years in a row from 2008 to 2011 Mm -hmm. I don't know why those specific (laughs) years but for three out of those four years, it was the most watched foreign language film on BBC. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. odd. Yeah. That is weird. The VHS was released in 96, which I got. Did you get it? I you know,
1: that year? probably. I knew I had the DVD. Yeah,
2: yeah. I got the VHS as soon as it came out. Um, yeah, And the DVD versions have the heavily edited U.S. cut. But, you know, each market got its own version. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my notes on the movie. It's hugely successful and influential uh, martial arts film. Definitely for American audiences. Yeah. And also, you know, kind of around the world. It's a huge hit for Jackie Chan.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I can't tell you how much I love Jackie Chan. How much I love Hong Kong cinema. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, a huge giant nerd for that Um, I will say too after Rumble in the Bronx I don't think that I missed a Jackie Chan film in a theater and I saw them all I saw Mr. Mm -hmm. Nice Guy I even saw the crappy ones like um, (laughs) uh, Around the World in 80 Days (laughs) Uh, Uh The Spy Next Door Uh, I never um, missed an opportunity to see Jackie Chan in a theater Um, the last Jackie Chan film that I remember that was like Good was the foreigner. Have you seen that one? Yeah, that one was. That it's was good. really good. Like it's not what you think it is, um, but it's a fantastic film. And then he also redid like new police story, mm-hmm. uh, but they're more like dramas, which hmm, they're okay. Um, but yeah, uh, the Criterion versions uh, they released that Super Cop or uh, Police Story one and two, which I do have those. Um, I do have. I, I don't think I have my old VHS's I think I got rid of them. that's cause I was like this is not
2: what, what I was yeah. wanting you know but yeah he had some big hits in the US the you know the Rush Hour series and they did the Shanghai Noon oh
1: that's right Shanghai Noon Those I completely were, forgot about uh, that and then
2: like after a little bit he kinda just went back to Hong Kong and yeah didn't really focus on the US as much
1: didn't he make um, I've only seen the first one Red Cliff with uh, John Woo
2: I, didn't, I haven't seen that either yeah
1: they, they it's like super long it's like four hours long i think um and there's two two parts i think i've only seen the first one um that one was pretty good and like i said the foreigner And that's like the last jackie chan movie has he done anything that you know of like recently i mean he has got to be like yeah. well past his prime at this point he's got to <laughs> yeah. be in his 60s right like so when did
2: i say he was born 1954
1: we're so, film nerds not math majors yeah. <laughs> let me see how old he would be 54 we'll do the research on that we'll get back to you <laughs>
2: 2022
1: minus 1954 <laughs> I'd be 68 dudes closing in on 70 yeah. that's insane to me Jackie Chan is 70 years old that's crazy
2: I have a rumble in the Bronx workout. Oh, if I'd like to hear it.
1: Yeah, let's hear it. Before you hear it, though, I'm going to say one quick thing. Um, this was Jackie Chan, and <laughs> just my love of Hong Kong cinema to begin with. It spurred me to do one of the smartest yet dumbest things that I've ever done in college. Okay,
2: get a film <laughs> degree. <laughs> Second, I made that mistake, too. The second dumbest thing that I <laughs> wanted to
1: do, um, besides get a film degree at OU. Uh, no. So, yeah, uh, we both were in the film program at OU, and uh, it was my dream. Like, that was what I – there was never a shadow of a doubt that that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and so I thought, well, hey, like, I'm going to just open my own, and I'm going to use quotes. You can't see this because you're listening. Uh, production company. And so I went to my bank and I opened up a business account um, that I was going to use to finance (laughs) all of these wonderful ideas that I had. Okay, And so I named my production company Mean Motor Scooter Films. And I went so far as to have checks (laughs) printed with this logo, or my logo, but my, you know, the business checks. And... I did nothing with these checks. <laughs> but one thing that I did do, and this is back in the late 90s, early aughts when mail order was still a thing. Uh-huh. Somehow, somewhere, I have no idea how I got hooked up with was it Tai Seeing or Tai Sung um video company. But they didn't sell to the public. They would only sell to video oh, stores. Yeah. So I called sung and I pretended to be a video <laughs> store and they sent me a catalog of all of the films that I could and of course this is VHS and these videos were like 59 bucks 60 bucks a pop because you know they make them that much because you're going to make your money back if you right. rent them out um, but it was the only way that you could get a hold of like all of these insane like um, Hong Kong films and so instead of financing my dreams <laughs> With the money I had put in there. You just committed mail fraud. (laughs) I I think hopefully the statute of limitations is up on this. But yeah, I I ordered, uh, this is how I saw A Better Tomorrow, and A Better Tomorrow 2, and A Better Tomorrow 3, and all the Jackie, like the My Lucky Stars, and City on Fire, and Hard Contact, and um, all of these crazy, insane Hong Kong films. Um, under this the suited in mean motor scooter films um, that I was a video store in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> I think I probably gave them the address like where I lived and yeah. So that's how big of a nerd I was. I I I, um, I uh, was it laundered laundered video rentals <laughs> <laughs> through a fake account <laughs> and yeah. Uh, Through my mean motor scooter films, and um, so yeah, I I went ahead and threw that into a pile of all my other broken dreams, (laughs) along with my guitar and my karate gi (laughs) (laughs) and my soccer ball. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So, um, rumble in the Bronx workout. Uh, I'm assuming that it's it's a lot of jumping.
2: Well. So, of course, we've got push-ups, yeah. which is our staple. <laughs> yeah. So you want to do 50 push-ups, as many sets as it takes.
1: Yeah. And this is a good thing to do before you watch the film. Yeah. You know, this Or is while a good... you're watching it. Or
2: while yeah. you're watching
1: it. Yeah, for sure.
2: 25 pull-ups, as yes. many sets as it takes. And uh, then you're going to go into your horse stance training. Oh,
1: the horse stance. Right. That's that wide leg. Yeah. Yeah. Low. Good base. Yeah.
2: Good base. Uh, you want to do, do that for... Five to ten minutes total, but Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to rest unless you're unless you're already really good at it.
1: And it's a good quad workout too.
2: You get your quads. Then you want to do three two minute rounds on the heavy bag. Yeah. Hear that? Hear that, guys? (laughs) I'm not close enough to the wooden dummy, but yeah. uh, It's there. Three rounds, various kicks and punches. So that's it's a basic simple workout. You can do that while you're watching the movie. Yeah. Now the optional training. Jumping off buildings. Doing parkour before it was called parkour. Jumping onto hovercrafts.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Jumping through shopping carts. Yes. And vandalizing a grocery store. Yeah. The, those op- the optional stuff is varied in danger and legality, so you might want to... Yeah.
1: And if you can figure out a way, like, after you're done... And you're super sweaty and you feel gross And you've watched this movie um, If you can if, if you have the means um, The easiest way to remove your sweaty clothing Is to have somebody run over you With a hovercraft <laughs> And it comedically <laughs> rips Like half of your clothes off Exposing your bare buttocks rips. And back And um, while everybody says Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> Yep, Rumble in the Bronx. Watch Go it. watch it. Yeah. Go watch it, and then come back and think of something. All right. So, what are we going to do next? Um, I know we're kind of skipping around here.
2: Big uh, Trouble in Little big China. Big Trouble in
1: Little China. Which coincidentally, John Carpenter wanted Jackie Chan um, to star opposite of Kurt oh, right. Russell, but the studios ictionated that idea because they did not think that his English was good enough. So, what a different movie. That that would have been had Jackie Chan starred, because you know it would have had those Jackie Chan elements in it. Um, and anyway, we'll probably talk about it when we talk about Big Trouble in China. Right. But, um, but yeah, uh, I can't wait to talk about that one. I love Big Trouble in <laughs> China. It's one of those movies that like it has really gone. To, it's, it's grown on me over the years. Like I loved it, but now I really love it. Yeah. So. Yeah, Um, so if you're playing the at-home game of Pump Action Podcast, um, I don't think we introduced ourselves, but um, the hardcore listeners know at this point who we are. This has been T-Bone. Yeah, and Ty Fighter. And we are, uh, stay pumped.